o'clock, hour three on a Jim Davis show, a B-Team edition. Buckeye and Baked Goods with you here. You're good, you're bad, you're ugly. 970-242-1340. Give us a call like Sam did. Give us a text like Guru on the text line. Good. My nine-year-old grandson getting a goal and an assist in a Riverhawks win up in Edwards. Hey. And playing hard in the Vale games. Apparently, uh, Guru's grandson is going to be about the same age as my nephew. My sister-in-law's son, Miles, went and participated in that tournament as well. Maybe we'll see the guru around the rink a time or two here because that's where my nephew was. He was up in uh, Edwards and Vale at the games up there. Bad, the Eagles getting stripped clean by Cowboys pickpockets. Ugly, Kadarius, lack of geometric awareness leading to Mahomes' meltdown. He's probably embarrassed this morning. If he still has a job, he's embarrassed this morning. I'm guessing he means Patrick Mahomes is embarrassed by his meltdown. Like, uh, yeah. Kadarius Tony is not going to get cut. He's going to get demoted, probably. Benched. Yeah, but I just, yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough one for Kadarius Tony. Not just the fact that you fluffed it up, but the fact that you're the one whose touchdown gets taken off the board. Right. So, yeah, it was not great on either side there for Kadarius Tony at the front and then getting the back end wiped off. So we have uh, the Broncos beating the Chargers 24 to 7. Thoughts on that one from you, Pyle. Here are Sean Payton's thoughts with Dave Logan. Sean, it's Dave Logan. Congratulations. Um, gosh, a, a lot of things to, to touch on, but I thought... I want to take you back when when they score in quick fashion. It's seventeen to seven. You guys put together a seventy-five yard touchdown drive in thirteen plays. You took seven twenty-six off the clock. That was a drive that you had to have, and you found a way to get it. There were there were a couple sequences today where one time we scored, and then a couple other times we just flipped the field position. And it was a game where I felt like again most of the game was played on their side of the field. And so it, it's so critical because then when a mistake's made and they had the turnover on the three-yard line, um, but being yep. able to come out of our own end zone and then flip the field position, and obviously you want to score, but when you're able to come out, it usually requires two first downs to get a neutral field position, and then fortunately we got more than that. Yep, you started that drive on the six. You went 51 yards, you get a punt, and they started on the nine, so you completely flip the field in, in that instance. I also want to talk about your defense, and I know that uh, Herbert got hurt, but the Chargers wind up 0 for 12 on third down, 1 for 6 on fourth down. I, I thought it really was an excellent defensive effort. Yeah, they, they were outstanding, and, uh, you know, it, it was a little different than the week before. Offensively, we converted much better on third down, and then defensively, I mean, every one of those snaps, they're off the field, um, and, and I thought it was a game that um, look, there were some there were some things we have to clean up, but overall, it was one of our better team wins. Yep. Final, final thought. Um, again, you you have you have two lengthy uh, scoring drives. You, you put it together, and again, Cortland Sutton, I think, is worth mentioning here. Just does a great job. I describe that as an NBA power forward, kind of blocking out and just hauling it in with one hand. Yeah, it, and it it was 
it was an impressive catch, obviously. Russell did a great job. We had a primary call over to Judy. They rolled the coverage his way. And if you watched on that play, the thing that was the thing that was very apparent is we had all day. Like Russell just sat and sat and yep. sat. And then of course now we're on to the second act or the second part of a play. And Cortland makes the play. Russ does a great job giving him a chance above his head. Yep. Congratulations, Sean. Big win. Hey, thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. Yep. That's Sean Payton in the Sean, uh, Sounded like he's feeling under the weather there. Kind of hoarse a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little hoarse, a little stiffly, cough there. That's uh, that's not good, but uh, hopefully he feels better, should feel better after the win. And if you're the Chargers, why are you rolling double coverage to Jerry Judy? Like, what is even the point? He's covering himself because he can't catch the ball. So the Broncos move to 7-6 and six on the season. Now, they're still on the outside looking in because of the way a couple things have gone for them. That's really their own doing. That Texans loss is not great. It's going to be big. But we'll see what C.J. Stroud's status is because I think that may bring the Texans back a little bit. So your number one seed right now after the overtime win against the Rams is the Baltimore Ravens. They're 10-3. and They have yet to have their bye week. So all these other teams are kind of closing in on them. The Dolphins are 9-3. and three. They'll play tonight. Actually, I take that back. I think the Ravens have had their bye week. The Dolphins are 9-3. and three. They'll play tonight. They're a half game back. They could pull in to the statistical tie coming up tonight. They have Tennessee. So if they win, they could be the number one seed in the AFC based on conference winning percentage because that's one of the tiebreakers that the NFL uses. Because... <clears throat> Baltimore six and three, Dolphins are six and two. A win makes them seven and three. Sorry, I got a little something in my throat here. Hang on, just saying. I'm like Sean Payton a little bit. A little bit. The Chiefs lose. They're eight and five. They're still the number three seed. The Jaguars are the four seed at eight and five. Okay. That tiebreaker, Kansas City with a head-to-head win over Jacksonville. Now coming in at number five. My Cleveland Browns. Now, why are they number five, you say? Even though, well, head-to-head winning percentage puts the Chiefs behind above the Jaguars. Didn't the Browns just beat the Jaguars? Maybe nobody's saying that because no one else in the pile cares. But I do. But you do. So I asked that question. Then I realized that the Browns are two games back in their division at eight and five. That and doesn't help. Jaguars lead theirs. So the Browns are a five seed right now. If the season were to end, the Browns would play... At the Jaguars. Hey. Who Joe Flacco just beat last night or yesterday. Pittsburgh is the sixth seed. Pittsburgh is the sixth seed somehow. That's, I'm sorry. They're seven and six. I get that it's math and I get that you can't really control what the math says in those tiebreakers. It just doesn't feel right, does it? It's not a good look. No. When so, there's when there's other teams out there vying, you know, you're you, we're talking your uh, you know Broncos, right? Six through eleven, everybody's seven and six. Steelers, Colts, Texans, Broncos, Bengals, Bills—that's six teams. So here we go. Steelers—they win the tiebreaker over Indianapolis based on best winning percentage in common games. They win the tiebreaker over Buffalo and Denver based on best winning percentage in conference games. 
The division tiebreak was initially used to eliminate Cincinnati because of the head-to-head win percentage. Then the division tiebreak was initially used to eliminate Houston and Indianapolis because Indianapolis wins over Houston. Pittsburgh wins over Indy, so A over B is over C. You with me? Sure. Because Houston's tiebreaker beats the Colts, then the Steelers' tiebreaker over the Colts supersedes that as well. The Colts are number seven. They win the tiebreaker over Buffalo, Cincinnati, and Denver based on winning percentage in conference games. The division tiebreak was used to eliminate the Houston Texans. Indy wins the tiebreak based on head-to-head win percentage. So the Texans are number eight. They win the tiebreaker over Buffalo, Cincinnati, and Denver based on best win percentage in conference games. So it's not even the head-to-head at this point because it hasn't gotten there because... The Broncos are four and five in AFC play. The Texans are four and four. The Broncos win the tiebreaker over Cincinnati on their winning percentage in conference games because the Bengals are three and six. Oof. But one of those three, they beat the Bills. So Buffalo at seven and six is 11th in the AFC. So okay. then you want the rest? You want the rest of the AFC? Let's go. The Los Angeles Chargers are 5-8. and eight. They win the tiebreaker over the Jets because they beat the Jets. And they win the tiebreaker over Las Vegas because of the division tiebreaker and head-to-head wins. Vegas beats the Raiders based on head-to-head win percentage because they beat the Jets. Vegas is the Raiders. They beat the Jets. Then he, t- Tennessee sitting out there at 4-8. Patriots have been eliminated. They are three and ten. So there's your AFC. It's a schmoz from six to eleven. As a matter of fact, from the three seed to the eleven seed, there is one game of separation. Oof. You got three eight and fives, and you got six seven and sixes. So here's the conversation then if you're a Broncos fan. The, the idea that they could get the, into the wild card is still very much a possibility, especially after a win like they'd had yesterday. Mm-hmm. But you know what? If they want to guarantee a playoff spot, they might just have to win out and clinch the AFC West and get some help from the Chiefs. So we'll we'll get to the NFC in a minute. But let's... Let's play the looking forward game. Okay. Broncos have four games left. Four games left. At the Lions, home to the Patriots, home to the Chargers, and at the Raiders. With what we've seen the last two weeks, all four of those are winnable games at this point. Yep. So let's say, let's just say, the Broncos win out. Now you're sitting at 11 and 6. Now, you don't. All the teams are behind you or in the NFC, so that doesn't really help you head to head. So you need to kind of look. Now you said the loss to the Texans is huge. It's pretty big. I will agree. So I'll see that loss and say the twenty-four to nine home win against the Chiefs is bigger. And I'll give you the why because the Chiefs have at the Patriots, home to the Raiders, home to the Bengals, the scrappy Bengals, and at the Chargers. 
There's three wins right there. The way this team is currently constructed, there's three wins. The problem is all four of those games are in the AFC. So you're going to need some help, but who knows what the tiebreaker situation looks like four weeks from now if the Broncos win out in AFC play, get three wins, and are sitting at eight and five in the conference, where the Chiefs, they just need to win two of those, three of those games themselves. So there's a chance, but there's a chance to win the division, I should say. Mm -hmm. But getting into the playoffs could be an easier path. I know they need to win out. I feel to guarantee of themselves the playoff berth. But let's look at what's going on here with the rest of Houston is seven and six. They're in front of the Broncos. They beat them head to head. They get the Titans in Nashville next week. Then they host the Browns. Then they play the Titans at home on New Year's Eve. And then they play at the Colts. Hmm. And CJ Stroud is in concussion protocol. They've lost two of three. They could be coming back to earth. If C.J. Stroud doesn't play at Tennessee, I could see them losing that game. Yeah. And I can see them lose. Who who the hell knows what's going to happen with the Browns week to week? I don't know. Then you have the Titans again and then the Colts. Who knows what Gardner Minshew is going to have brewing because they're also in the playoff hunt are the Colts. Here's their last four. Home to the Steelers, at the Falcons, home to the Raiders, home to the Texans. They play three of four at home. They don't play outside again until the playoffs, if they make it. Wow. So Gardner Minshew's got those games. Steelers, winnable game. With their defense, ah, it's winnable. Not a guarantee. I'm not saying market, you know, not put it on the board. Yes. Not doing the Hawk Harrelson. But it's winnable. At the Falcons is winnable. Raiders. Texans, all four winnable games. So right now, kind of the team that's stuck in front, one of the teams stuck in front of you has a chance to win out just as much as the Broncos do. Because they both have road games in domes that are toss-ups. Right. At Atlanta, at Detroit for the Broncos. So Pittsburgh's in that schmoz as well because they are also 7-6. and With a bunch of tiebreakers in their favor. But here's the Steelers' last four. Okay. At the Colts, okay. we talked about. Home to the Bengals. Okay. At the Seahawks. Ooh. At the Ravens to end the season. That's I, not that's not easy. That's that could be seven and ten, eight and nine territory for the Steelers right now. If they're not careful. Yeah. So there's that. Now Cleveland is the last team ahead of the Broncos. They're 8-5, and five, but they're a wild-card team. They're not going to win their division. They're a wild-card team. So you could also use some losses by the Browns. Home to the Bears with the plucky Justin Fields, you know. Mm-hmm. At the Texans, who knows what's going to happen there. Mm-hmm. Home to the Jets again, who the hell knows. And then at the, at the Bengals. The Browns could finish 8-9. and nine. I could conceivably see it in my mind hole that they finish eight and nine and completely out of the playoffs. So there you go. If you're Broncos fans, you're out of town scoreboard watching, if you will, your red zone, Steelers, Colts, Texans, 
and Bengals and Bills too. You got to keep an eye on them, but mm-hmm. you're ahead of them. So you just have to keep pace. And Cincinnati, they got some tough games in there. Buffalo, I'm not sure what their rest of the division looks like because, oh, Buffalo may be done. Cowboys, Chargers, Patriots, Dolphins. Two of those are wins. Two of those are probably not. This is a team that got whacked in Foxborough, though. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So. Okay, maybe not. You know, I really don't know. All right, so that's the AFC. Is it any clearer in the NFC, do you think? No. It is a little bit. Okay. But here's the problem. You have three 10-win teams. Your schmaz is the number one seed. Mm, so it's top-heavy. Yes, San Francisco is the number one seed because they beat the Eagles and the Cowboys head-to-head. Cowboys are the number two seed at 10-3 and three because they beat the Eagles head-to-head. Detroit Lions are 9-4, and four, leading the NFC North. Tampa Bay, baby. Hey. Six and seven. <laughs> they beat Atlanta on the tiebreaker over win in percentage in common games. Now, the five seed is Philadelphia. They are 10-3. They're, they're set. The Eagles are a playoff team because the second wild card is Minnesota at 7-6. and six. Oof. And the seventh wild card uh-huh. is Green Bay. <laughs> dead on 500. Uh, I'm going to lose uh, my mind if Jordan Love gets into the playoffs and the Jets don't. His first year. So be- good. I would just, it would be so funny. It would be so much better, too, if, because Rodgers was allowed to practice recently. Yeah. If Rodgers, so first of all, first of all, Zach Wilson, who had probably the game of his life mm-hmm. yesterday, if he gets benched for Aaron Rodgers as the prodigal son returned, and somehow the craziness of the NFL, the Jets are in a position week 18 to win and in in the postseason with some help. Losses by other teams here and there and whatnot. And Jordan Love and the Packers get into the playoffs and the Jets don't because of some, you know, Rodgers hasn't played all year and he's, you know, the injury recovery was maybe too fast or the rehab or whatever. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be great. I love it. So, like, the Jets aren't making the playoffs. They're just, there's, they're the 14th team in the AFC right now. So they need to vault half of the conference to get in. I just don't see it happening. Now it's now when Nathaniel Hackett is well, OC. The Packers can get in. Now the Rams are six and seven. The Seahawks, Falcons, and Saints are all six and seven. It's a similar schmoz, but on the other side of five hundred. Whoever wins the NFC South is the only team there getting into the playoffs. Yep. You got the Eagles and the Cowboys, they're the only team getting into the playoffs there. The North could get three teams in. The North with no Kirk Cousins, no Aaron Rodgers, the Lions, and Justin Fields could get three teams into the playoffs. The Bears aren't going to make it. They're just too far behind the eight ball right now, five and eight. But, 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 but. But respectable. They are a game and a half out of the playoffs right now. And they're going to have the number one overall pick in this coming draft because of the trade with Carolina. Yes. And their own number, top 10 pick. It's like four or seven mm-hmm. or 
Um, the rest of the uh, NFC, Bears at 5-8, and eight, Giants at 4-8, and eight, Oof. the Commies at 4-9, and nine, Cardinals at 3-10, and 10, the Carolina Panthers. Pick up your parting gifts. You're 1-12. Just not happening there. Not happening. David Tepper is going to be firing dopes left and right. We'll take a break. Come back with more Jim Davis show. We'll have a little uh, four down territory on the other side of a break. It's the Jim Davis show, B team edition on the team sports network. Give us a call. Give us a text. 970-242-1340. It's a good show. Probably the best show around. The Jim Davis show on Colorado sports leader, the team. Welcome back to the Jim Davis Show, B-Team Edition. Buckeye and Baked Goods with you here. Taking you up until 10. Jim Rome comes your way at 10 o'clock. And it is time right now to hop into a little... We're into four down territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. It's weird getting to my pick of downs. Going first and second down. Uh, Everybody thought Shohei Otani was going to sign with the Blue Jays. And it got, uh, you know, writers chirping at each other because John Morosi said he was going to sign with the Blue Jays. He's in route to Toronto. And Bob Nightingale said, no, he's not. He just woke up and he had a whole lot of uh, a Twitter was a Twitter over the inaccurate information which John Morosi apologized. So it went like this. John Morosi, his first tweet was, can confirm Shohei Otani, or sorry, that was not John Morosi. John Morosi's first tweet saying that he was going there has been deleted. John Heyman says, can confirm Shohei Otani is not en route to Toronto, is at home in SoCal. Bob Nightingale was first because Bob Nightingale said, Shohei Otani is not in Toronto. Otani is not on a flight to Toronto. Otani is at home. So John Morosi today, I posted a reporting that included inaccurate information that Shohei Otani was traveling to Toronto. I regret the mistake and apologize to baseball fans and everywhere. I am deeply sorry for letting you down. I like JP Morosi other than his judgment of being a Michigan guy. And I just think that sometimes sources are wrong. You know, it, it was, you were saying, like, how he's apologized. It made me immediately think of, I'd like to apologize to all the fans of baseball because there's a drive deep to left center field. It'll be a home run. Yeah. It, it sounded a little Tom Brenneman-y. Yeah, it's a little Tom Brenneman-y. So, you know, that's okay. It happens, though. Sometimes you get information wrong. Continuing on in the sports media world, Brad Nessler stopped by a little uh, WWE over the weekend. Did some play-by-play on Friday Night SmackDown. Nice. Yeah, welcome to the dark arts, Brad Nessler. You know, like Pat McAfee, maybe there's the slot at WrestleMania waiting for Brad Nessler. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun. Last year, I spent more money on spilled liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. Nice. Third and fourth down. Tonight, <laughs> tonight is a rare late 
regular season Monday Night Football doubleheader, and both games going on simultaneously. Soon to be less rare. Manning cast tonight has decided to pull a Scott Hansen of NFL Red Zone and call or watch both games at the same time. They even in the promo for it did a little had a little fun Peyton calling Scott Hansen. We'll see. This could very well be a disaster. Cause sometimes, you know, there's still Manicast, I love Manicast. They still have some broadcasting things that they need to kind of figure out, you know, with satellite and all that. Two games at the same time? We'll see. I do love the office space memes flying around. Yes. <laughs> Two games at the same time, brother. It's awesome. I love it. Yeah, I'm with you. This could be a disaster, or to quote Exodus, this could be a fabulous disaster. It could. Because it could blow up in everybody's faces in the most fun way because of Peyton and Eli. Right. So, yeah, I'm interested. All right, and fourth down, Josh Dobbs last night. Ameri- the astronaut. Ameri- you need to call him the astronaut. America's game last night, Vikings Raiders 3-0 Vikings win. Josh Dobbs got benched for Nick Mullins. After nice. he went 10 for 23 for 62, for 63 yards. He is 2-2, two and two, the pastronaut, as a starter for Minnesota. 2-2. Two and two. Have we seen the end of the pastronaut in 2023? Like, I don't... Like, he's going to play again, but this is who he is. Like, Josh Dobbs is... Like, look at all the problems Cleveland have with their quarterback. They chose DTR and PJ Walker and eventually Joe Flacco over Josh Dobbs. Like, Josh Dobbs as a starter is 3 and 11. There's a reason for that. There's a reason he was 0 and 2 in Tennessee last year. There's a reason he was 1 and 7 in Arizona and 2 and 2 in Minnesota. It's just because he's not great. He's got 13 touchdowns and 10 interceptions this year. He makes takes too many chances with the football that he does not have the ability to overcome those mistakes. And that's no offense to Josh Dobbs, but there's a reason why Arizona was so quick to move on from him, even with Kyler Murray coming back, because they got the peak. They got the peak out of him when he beat the Cowboys. Pretty much. That's it. Yep. You know, so. I agree. Yeah. Like, he's going to play at some point, but I just don't think, like, the bloom is off the rose. You know what I mean? So, it's it's pretty much going to be done. A little bit of hot stove baseball talk. We talked about this. We referenced it. We've uh, gotten a little upset to our stomach about just the sheer numbers that Shohei Otani is going to be a doyer for the next 10 years, getting paid $700 million and getting paid just under that, just under. Uh, Guardians and Austin Hedges agree on a one-year $4 million deal. Just a little under. Just, I was, I'm like, I'm waiting. Just, uh, come just on, a little, that up. just a bit outside. So, yep, so there's going to be that. Like, what are the Angels done? Like, is now, is it the whole thing over? I don't know if you can say blow it up because what exactly are you blowing up? 73 and 89? Like, 
I kind of feel bad for Mike Trout, but him re-signing there makes me feel less bad. I, if you're a team out there, do you? Is there anybody on the Angels now that you want? I mean, now, I now, would... well, hear me out. Mike Trout, age 31, season last year, he turned 32 in August, so he's going to go into next season halfway through his age 32 year, and he has played the last four years. Let's see, that's 89, that's 91, 171. He has played less than 400 games since before the pandemic. 53 out of 60, so that's almost a full season. So the last three seasons, let's do that, since that wasn't a full season. The last three seasons, he has played 240 games-ish. Give or take. Give or take in... 408. So he's played less than half of the last three years because he's been injury prone. Hit 283 and 22, hit 263 last year. He's hit 66 home runs and has had less than 160 RBI in those three years. Now, four-time MVP, absolutely fantastic right up until the age of 28. Since then, it's not been the same. He's had an on-base percentage over 400 once. His OPS is over one once. You know, his OPS plus is still above average, but it's getting closer to the pack. At this point, do you go out and make a deal for Mike Trout? If you're anybody. I hate to say it, but... At $37 million for the next seven seasons? <sighs> Pass. Yeah. Now, for a team like, say, the Colorado Rockies, they don't really Trade care. for him and put him at first base. They don't really care about spending too much money on a guy that's going to play less than half the games, cough, cough, Chris Bryant. You know, mm-hmm. and for posterity, you know, hell. It might be kind of cool to be like, oh, yeah, hey, Rocky's got Mike Trout, and oh, Mike Trout hitting a Coors Field. It's going to be so awesome. And then, you know. Chris Bryant, <sighs> younger than Mike Trout. 31. That surprised me. I thought Chris Bryant was significantly older. He's younger and makes $10 million less per season. In case in case you were wondering. Mm-hmm. got to remember, he made his <sighs> debut at... 23 sounds right rookie of the year mvp won a world series you know like i just i don't know what to make of mike trout fantastic player but he's he's gonna go down as having not done anything right which is part of that is his own choice to re-sign with the angels like and you know what maybe they promised him that hey we're gonna put a team around you blah 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 And I can understand the Angels' mismanagement side because they they got Shohei Otani and got nothing for him as he left. They had two chances to trade him last year and this year, and they didn't. They pulled him off the trade market this year and then got rid of a bunch of guys that were supposedly going to help the team compete. Three of them went to the Guardians, didn't help them compete either. Yeah. You know, so it's like the Angels are kind of a mess right now. Phil Nevin's coming back. Perry Manasian's coming back. But, like, I just... 
I don't know what the Angels do. And then the Dodgers, like, are the Dodgers the absolute team to be in Major League Baseball right now? Well, you got to ask the the first question, which is, are they that much better adding Shohei Otani to an already number one stacked lineup and number two, pretty decent pitching rotation? Yeah. Are they that much better adding the unicorn into their clubhouse? Which they're not going to get till 25 anyway. Right. So after his not Tommy John surgery. Uh, his, yeah, I like that's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know because again, it gets back to how great the Dodgers are in the regular season and how absolute hot, wet mess they are in the playoffs. Like the Dodgers, this does not solve the Dodgers' problem next year. No, Dodgers' offense is was, perfectly fine, it was not a problem at all. Freddie Freeman hit 231. Mookie Betts hit 307. Don't forget J.D. Martinez is still floating around out there as a free agent. He might come back. David Peralta. Like, they can slot him in and push Miguel Vargas out of the starting nine. But, like, is Shohei going to play the outfield? Like, can you re-sign J.D. Martinez, who absolutely cannot play any defense? <laughs> right. Because one of these guys has to DH. And Freddie Freeman's at first base. So offensively, they're going to be fine. Pitching, they just, they didn't have anybody you could roll the ball out there past Labor Day and be like, this is our guy. That's him. This, that's the guy that's going to carry us through. Julio Urias, not going to be on the team anymore. That's done. Noah Syndergaard's a nothing burger. Clayton Kershaw is going to be 36. Tony Gonsolin, pass. Michael Grove, pass. They don't, they're going to have to part with some of their just, loaded farm system to get some guys. I don't know who it's going to be. Saw this morning be like, they should go get Dylan Cease. Like, really? (laughs) Okay. All right. Paul, baseball Paul on the text line. The Dodgers are not the team to beat because they beat themselves every year. Yeah, that's kind of what we're getting at. But also, like, what's Philadelphia going to do? Is it going to be a bounce back? Like, Philadelphia's like, oh, they're 90 to 72. What a terrible season. Well, that got you into the World Series. The yeah. Rangers, that won the World Series. You know, is Baltimore going to make that next step? Is Yamamoto going to New York or Boston? Do the Dodgers just say, screw it. Here is all the money we can find in the Los Angeles area. Which is probably a lot. Probably a lot. And here's Yamamoto. We'll pair him with Shohei. Give him a friend. Like Shohei's a puppy. <laughs> I, I Pending they know each other. They may hate each other. Who knows? But, like, Baltimore, Toronto was the playoff team last year. Tampa Bay is always floating around out there. Like, they'll say, fine, we'll trade Tyler Glass now. Here's three more starters who are going to go out here and just stick it you know where. Right. And we're going to win 100 games. Miami, where's Miami going? Is Milwaukee coming back down from their upswing? And Atlanta, Atlanta's locked up for the next three years, pretty much every single person on that roster. They need some pitching, too, so they're going to be out there in the market. And we're forgetting the Diamondbacks, who made it all the way to the World Series this year on a surprise. Yeah, we're forgetting the National League champion Diamondbacks. What's kind of their, you know, story? Yeah, and then can any of these teams beat the top teams in the American League? Houston, Texas, Baltimore, Toronto. Like the Yankees with Juan Soto. 
how are they going to flame out early this year? Right. No offense. So, you know, I, I don't think the Dodgers are the team to beat. Paul Witte, correct. But I just, I don't see them as this unstoppable force because, yeah, they're going to score nine runs a game, but they're going to need every one of them. They're going to be like, oh, man, they can score 10 runs a game. Yeah, but their run differential seven because their pitching staff is not very good. No. So, I don't know. I was I was floored when I heard the numbers, though, for Shohei. $700 million. $700 million. That's so much money. The two highest valued contracts in Major League Baseball history combined are $690. This guy got... 700 million. I heard somebody over the weekend, they broke it down and it made a little bit more sense and it kind of stomached it a little better. But still. Yeah. It was, they had a war of nine, six for hitting, three for pitching. So if you break it up that way, you're getting a pitcher for $300 million or, you know, whatever it is, $220 million and you're getting the hitter for 400. Still though, that's a lot. We'll take a break. Come back with more on the Jim Davis show. Good morning, gentlemen. What are the haps? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back to the Jim Davis Show. A little acoustic Depeche mode. Yes. Reach out and You're touch faith. This is uh, the man in black. Mm-hmm. Johnny Cash. Now, have you seen his uh, grandson on... Uh, I have. It's like... It's uncanny. Dead it ringer. Absolutely. How close he sounds to his grandfather. Yeah, it's it's definitely a dead ringer for sure. And uh, because, as we've covered... Ah, I check. I completely whiffed on this day in sports history. That's the story of the greatest sport moment of all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. Yes, taking a look back in sports history, it was this day in 1949 that Chicago Bear quarterback Johnny Lujak passes for six touchdowns against the Chicago Cardinals to beat the Birds 52 to 29. It was also this day in 1949 that they decided to just completely shut down the AAFC because the Cleveland Browns were dominating. They beat the San Francisco 49ers 21 to 7 in the fourth and final AAFC championship game. Do you know, can you name me the four AAFC champions in the mm. four years of the league? Mm, nope. The Cleveland Browns. That would be uh, that. There you go. 1954, the Philadelphia Phillies owners reluctantly purchased Connie Mack Stadium from the A's, who are now going to be in Las Vegas. Al Nelson sets an NFL record for returning a missed field goal. 100 yards. Can't be beat. 1966 is the day there. 1951, moving to baseball, Joe DiMaggio retires. 1959, the Yankees trade Marv Thornberry, Don Larson, and Hank Bauer and Norm Cybern for? Do you know um, who they traded him for? Not a clue. Still my record. Roger Maris and Joe D'Astri and Ken Tadley. Wow. Uh, another Yankees trade. This one in 1975. The Yankees trade 
Uh, Doc Medich to the Pirates for, you're not going to know these guys, Willie Randolph, Doc Ellis, and Ken Brett. This day in 1981, former world heavyweight boxing champion Muhammad Ali's 61st and last fight loses to Trevor Burbick by unanimous decision in 10 rounds in the Bahamas. At least she got to go to the Bahamas. Yes. Which is more than I can say I've ever been to the Bahamas. Uh, Dylan on the text line, don't care what you do for an occupation, no human being on planet Earth needs or deserves that much money. Ridiculous for Shohei. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Although, that was, first of all, that was Dylan, not us, because we're gonna get the, we're gonna get a text or an email like you mean first responders don't deserve seven hundred million dollars. I didn't say it. Dylan said it because <laughs> we have those people. Wait, wait a third. Dylan under the bus there. I, I, hold on. <laughs> Dylan jumped under that bus. <laughs> I didn't say it. I didn't throw him under the bus. He decided to just leap himself. Hmm. And we give Dylan Dylan's a hard time guy. He's a P one guy. We know that uh, Dylan knows kind of the deal here. We're gonna we're gonna jab at you a little bit, but it's because we like you. We're like fifth graders on the playground. Yes, we're chasing you around with a stick because you're one of the good guys. Uh, Jim, another one of the good guys. Good morning, guys. All you have to do is put Judy on the sidelines. He can make one handed catches all day. Did you see that? I think that was Sutton, though. I think I that think, was Cortland uh, Sutton. I think yeah, fourteen. 14 Sutton. Sutton, yeah, it was Cortland Sutton. I saw that, though, and I made the same joke. I'm like, oh, look, they're actually, they're catching the ball all over the place today. Hey. Yeah. Jeepers, creepers. Any other final thoughts from Broncos Chargers? Just that, you know, it's good. So, first of all, the, the news on the crawl was that Justin Herbert will have missed the first start of his career in 62 straight games next week because odds are good he's not going to start because he broke his finger Mm -hmm. 62 straight games had not missed because of an injury and now he's going to miss time so that's that's not good for a an up-and-comer like Justin Herbert Mm -hmm. I don't mind Justin Herbert I kind of like him I think he's got that kind of cool suave you know classic surfer guy quarterback mentality but it's kind of nice to know that at least for the rest of this season the Chargers won't be a threat in the AFC West and as a Broncos fan that always makes me a little happy I I like Justin Herbert but at the same time he needs to start doing something yeah you know like it's time now how many 62 starts that's 62 yeah that's Almost three. three full, almost four full seasons. Yeah. It's time to start doing something. Now, not all of that's on him. Cause, I understand. But, you know, he can't, he doesn't play defense, you know. How many bad teams have great quarterbacks drugged to a Super Bowl? Quite a few. You know, so, like. All the all of the 80s Broncos teams that Elway dragged to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. They were not good. Yeah. So, I just. Like, I don't need him to win a Super Bowl. I need him to start winning these one-score games that they always find a way to lose, which is partially on him. Right. We're getting close to the end, so a little uh, early. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. 
So Demarcus Lawrence, Cowboys defensive end, mm-hmm. gave a post-game interview last night, worked a little blue, and they uh, forgot to censor that on ESPN. Oops. Yeah. They did the stand-up with Ed Werder. I'm in your head, Werder. During the report, Werder noted Dallas ended Philly streak in 94 consecutive games, scoring at least one offensive touchdown. The game plan was simple and brutally efficient, Werder said. Toss to highlight package. Hit a mother-father in the face, Lauren said, to describe that simple game plan over and over and over again until they quit. And then when they quit, hit him again. Whoops. Whoopsies. And anchor Ryan Smith. Oops. I want to quickly apologize for some sound we aired a couple moments ago from that Cowboys piece. Some foul language was used. So I just want to say apologies for that on our behalf. Unintentional mistake there. Oopsies. Whoops. Somebody <laughs> forgot to add the sound. Like, if you're at Sports Center, aren't you, whatever you're doing there, editing sports sound, editing film, aren't you kind of at the pinnacle of the profession? Well, you would think. Like I had the Whoops. clip, I had the clip from Patrick Mahomes getting all fussy about the call. The but end. That I, was, you had to bleep that. I edited the bleeps. Yeah. I added those in. That's smart. Because I am smart. <laughs> I am smart. Exactly. SMRT. See, that's what we do. Do you have anything for garbage time? Couple of revelations on the getup this morning on the four letter. The first uh, is that apparently your. Uh, Longtime now favorite Browns quarterback Joe Flacco. Yeah, Joe Flacco apparently auditioned for Inside the NFL on the CW. Ryan Clark revealed this on the CW that or on the uh, Get Up on ESPN said that Flacco auditioned, didn't work out, and so now he went. So he's like, all right, I'll just go quarterback for the Browns. Ryan Clark quote, "I'm glad we didn't take him." <laughs> So there's that. And then, also on the four-letter this morning, Rex Ryan, regarding the Kadarius Tony offsides, quote, you know I like toes. I don't like this toe. Are you for real? You that is get, exactly what he said. You didn't get ball zacked sports on that That one? is a actual Rex Ryan quote on the getup this morning on the four-letter. Just stop it. Just stop. It's funny, though. It's funny being self-aware. Tony Romo weighed in on Kadarius Tony in the immediate aftermath, and I don't think he's going to be getting a Christmas card from Kadarius Tony. I can't believe my Number 19, offense. Oh, got the X spinning wheel of death. Was lined up. Got to be kidding in me! In the neutral zone. So <laughs> Travis Kelsey, who went to Cincinnati at a Cleveland Heights high school in Ohio, an old quarterback, threw a perfect spiral for a what looked like an improbable touchdown. That it just can't happen. These receivers can't get out of the way of hurting the team too many times at the end of the game. Dang! He's not wrong. No, he's 100 percent accurate. <laughs> he's not wrong. But you usually don't hear an analyst just say that right out of the gate. Just rip into him. Just them. absolutely letting both barrels fly. Also, there are quite a bit of rumors surrounding a, a big dumb khaki pants wearing head coach from the team up north, and it's not Jim Harbaugh. No. It's another JH. 
Jawan Howard. Wasn't he also facing some misconduct uh, allegations? Maybe. Uh, tw- an X went out last night. Michigan's Juwan Howard is stepping down as head coach, effective immediately. Assistant Phil Martelli will become interim head coach. Howard will remain with the Wolverines in an assistant role for the remainder of the season before weighing his options. Now, that's not uh, even accurate. No. No, because that's not an actual reporter, That, uh, but aggregators picked it up. And so there's the rumors now that from Jalen Rose, who he would know, again, another get-ups person that is like, what? how does he know this? Right. But he would know from the Fat Five. Juwan is not, did not and is not stepping down. He is enthusiastically hoping to return December 16th. Juwan is literally recovering from open heart surgery. Wow. Hopefully that comes, hopefully all goes well. But there are some situations that happen. A confrontation between Howard and longtime strength and conditioning coach John Sanderson has resulted in a little bit of um, friction Hmm. there in Ann Arbor, the Greeley of Michigan. (laughs) That'll do it for us. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll have the team's college football and basketball insider Wyatt Thompson joining us. Mav Day tomorrow as well. Our Broncos report with Cody Rourke of Mile High Sports. That's all coming up tomorrow. It'll be another B-Team edition. Buckeye Boy and Baked Goods on the Team Sports Network.